the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. My name is Selwyn Whitehead and I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney and I'm also a Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. In addition to my JD, I hold a couple of master's degrees in law. That is to say, I am both a master of the laws of taxation and a master of the laws of intellectual property. And as a result of my education and my training and my experiences and my life's observation, but especially my lifelong interest in business and money and finance and the creation preservation of transfer of wealth within families and communities, including tribal communities and the roles that these particular aspects of economics play in the lives of everyday people like you and me, I primarily practice bankruptcy law. However, I also practice the related fields in my overall uh, consumer and small business uh, financial practice, including debt wealth management, estates and trusts, real estate, and of course, taxation law. Now, with these areas of law as my reference points, as they relate to the personal, familial, community, and small business aspects of financial law, I've spent the greater part of the last nearly 40 years, both before and after getting my license to practice law, fighting for the economic empowerment, the economic independence, and the economic autonomy of women and people in communities of color, including indigenous communities. And because I grew up as a military brat and I actually married a soldier and my former spouse, the soldier, we created another military brat. As such, I have firsthand knowledge of how hard it is sometimes financially and economically for our citizen soldiers, sailors, airmen and women and Marines and their families in our sometimes less than patriotic capital-based economic system. This, especially the case after these individuals and their families separate from the service. So I also proudly serve veterans of all stripes and in all branches of the military. And as I've shared with you before, I love my grandmas. (laughs) Grandmothers are great, especially now since I'm one. But anyway, I had the great fortune to not only get to know, but spend a lot of time and actually became really great friends with both my maternal and my paternal grandmother, both of whom survived the four great economic challenges of the last century, the Great Depression, World War II, and the systemic racism and misogyny that I must tell you continues through into today. However, I had the great fortune to 
have these women help raise me and they always loved me and they sometimes share with me stories of their grandparents who loved and raised them in the post-Reconstruction Jim Crow South. Uh, some of it right at Reconstruction and then afterwards, which was kind of sad, which wasn't kind of sad. It was very sad. Um, however, it is out of my great respect and love for these women who were always with me in spirit, along with my dad, urging me on. That is to say, as a result of my love for them, when the situation is right, I am sometimes able to at least attempt to vindicate the rights of seniors and disabled individuals who more and more find themselves today not only the targets of, but unfortunately more and more the victims of some of the most pernicious forms of elder financial abuse and adult financial abuse that you could imagine that's running rampant in our society today. So the purpose of Selwyn's Law, in case you haven't guessed it, is to discuss the law related to your money and more probably than not these days, the lack thereof and your overall finances and what you need to consider to protect and or reclaim and or rehabilitate your or your families or your businesses, financial health, wealth and money related well-being. As I understand these concepts in this non-threatening education form. However, once again, I got to do this. I have to ask you to please note that this show doesn't provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum with exchange of information from me to you that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that is tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and hopefully to provide you with at least an overall outline of some of the key issues that may help you seek out and find the qualified professional help I believe you need if you're having a legal issue that intersects with your finances or your assets or your debt. So today we're going to continue the discussion we began last week concerning the upcoming midterm elections on November the 8th. And take this opportunity to share with you, once again, my heartfelt belief that we, the people who are black or brown or indigenous Americans, along with our fellow Americans with low to moderate incomes of all stripes and all ethnicities and all races, we must use our franchise on November 8th to elect only candidates and only pass propositions and resolutions that are in our best interest and not out of fear or we're being spoon-fed, that fear that we're being spoon-fed or out of our own ignorance about the great replacement theory that categorizes us, the dark-skinned, violent others, to be feared by our low-to-moderate income white and or other racial or ethnic brothers and sisters in Christ or brothers and sisters in Abraham and Moses or brothers and sisters in Mohammed or brothers and sisters in Buddha or brothers and sisters in Confucians or the various forms of multiple founders of Hinduism and or folks who don't believe in any religion but yet and still strive each and every day just to be good old plain folks and support their families and their communities and the greater good and thereby give back to whatever forces they believe in that are at the center of the universe. So what I believe 
we must focus on during the countdown of the upcoming midterm elections is that we must arm ourselves with the fact-based knowledge about who and what people and policies are and are not in our best interest, lest we allow our temporary and fleeting attention spans to be focused on our fear, which in my opinion is the narcotic that dampens our cognitive abilities to make rational decisions. For example, riddle me this, Batman. Why do so many otherwise intelligent Americans trust Republicans to be better fiscal managers of our economy? I, in my alternate personality as a female Batman, say it's because Republicans tell us this. And so in the media act of non-fact-checking echo chambers for the Republicans, when, you know, I say simply, well, maybe not so simply, we could do our own research project and perform the related analysis as of one set of the real facts. There's only one set of real facts of the matter asserted would reveal that in the instant global inflation, which I say is real, major corporations around the globe are using the downward portion of our business cycle to get us to be afraid, and they're using that to increase their profit margins and take advantage of those of us who don't have many choices about where to buy our groceries or where to buy our gas. Now, this is the case while many well-to-do upper-income Republicans are underwriting this false messaging and contributing to those in political power with the goal of keeping their, not our, taxes low under the guise of the false pretense and false pretext that by keeping their taxes low, they, the major corporations and the well-to-do 5%, upper 5% of the population that own stocks will use these tax savings that are underwritten by the middle class to finance their schemes of getting more out of the economy and that they will use this trickle down to um, create more jobs to employ low to moderate income folks. In other words, some of us believe that by giving tax breaks to the wealthy, they in turn will turn around and use that money to create jobs. They don't. (laughs) However, and in as much as over the last 25 years, and I've been around for all of them doing research, (laughs) it is well documented that these same major corporations and their successors in interest are exporting the middle class sustaining jobs offshore to places where they can employ people for a few dollars a day with no health or other benefits. Now, this trickle-down economics of the worst kind is something that I learned about in business school. And the antidote that I learned about in business when I was in business school a thousand years ago, namely the business management philosophy espoused by Henry Ford. 
Yeah, that Henry Ford, way back in 1914, when he shocked the business community by doubling the then standard hourly rate for manufacturing employees, which at the time was around $2 to $2.50 a day for about a 12-hour workday. And what Mr. Ford did was he offered $5 a day for an eight-hour workday. Now, his philosophy, which I will summarize here, and I got to tell you that Mr. Ford had problems. He was a flawed human being, but I agree with his philosophy, a, a philosophy which is I'm going to share with you now. He believed that you had to pay your employees enough so that they could buy your product or service and thereby be the best advertisement of its quality and affordability to their own neighbors and the rest of the then neophyte automobile buying public. That makes sense. And I wonder if this philosophy is still being taught in business schools today. And if so, I guess those teaching the latest version of the trickle-down economics skipped that class about Mr. Ford's uh, prescient belief in and successful application of what I call trickle-up economics. So I say we voters in 2022 can't be so dejected and self-indulgent and wallow in our self-pity that we allow ourselves to either stay at home on election day or go to the polls and vote for people who don't have our best economic interest in mind and instead have and will continue to use our hard-fought franchise as the very instrument that allows these latter-day quizlings of the 21st century reincarnation of the robber baron, Mr. Ford's era, put in place by electing these people. And if we continue to elect them, they're going to privatize us right out of the means of keeping a roof over our children's head and nourishing food in their bellies while limiting their access to the wide array of books and academic research that will nourish their brains. So when we come back, we'll take a little bit deeper look into what Selwyn's Law believes is what we should take to the polls on November the 8th. But first, we're going to take a short break and I'll see you on the other side. Now back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law. As I continue our discussion on the basis of my belief and my heartfelt belief that we the people of all stripes and all colors must use our franchise on November 8th to elect candidates and to pass propositions and resolutions that are in our best interest and not go to the polls with fear and anger and ignorance, you know, focusing on this great replacement theory that's making everybody think that dark people are the others to be feared and that we want to take something away from you. What we want to do is work together with you to improve our all of our economic stakes, all of our children's access to good schools, all of our children's access to good food, and help us reclaim this planet so our children will have some place to live. All of us want that. 
except for those who want to be in charge. That's my belief. Now, before the break, I share with you the basis of my belief why we, the voters, can't allow ourselves to either stay at home on Election Day or go to the polls and vote for folks who don't have our best interests in mind and instead use our hard-fought-for franchise to be the very instruments that allow these latter-day robber barons that were around in, in Henry Ford's era to put in place elected officials who want to privatize us right out of the means of keeping roofs over our children's head and nourishing food in their bellies and access to the books and other research they need to nourish their brains and be citizens in the 21st century that can hopefully save our planet. So why do so many uh, believe that Democrats are responsible for inflation and crime? They are responsible for neither. This is a global thing. Major corporations are using the downturn in our economy to increase prices, and the politicians are using fear of the dark races to keep us from working together for what is really in our common interest. Now, when I was involved in the political process as a lobbyist way back in another century, um, and a consumer act- activist, there was an inside baseball joke about how you could tell a Republican from a Democrat. It's not a dirty joke, so um, you can listen. <laughs> a Democrat, this is, this is the answer, a Democrat likes people just a little bit more than they love money. And a Republican loves money just a little bit more than they like people. Now, if you delve a little bit deeper into the meaning of the joke, you'd find that it speaks to the distinction between conservatism and, to a lesser extent, liberalism, libertarianism on the one hand, and liberalism and progressivism on the other hand. So let's look at conservatives first. Those are uh, they have adherents who believe in small government with limited functions and the use of tax policy to tax businesses and wealthy folks on a regressive basis where people with higher incomes pay an ever decreasing, that is to say regressive, uh, tax rate to raise the funds that underwrite very limited public programs, such as a centralized military and various decentralized police forces. All else these conservatives believe, including provisioning health care and other public welfare, should be the products of an untethered free enterprise system that if these businesses are allowed to be big enough, would and could eventually monopolize the field uh, of whatever business they were engaged in and therefore be able to pay near slave wages to a captive herd of employees or wannabe employees, especially if they keep those potential employees apart geographically, culturally, and racially. Now, 
liberalism or progressivism, on the other hand, are political philosophies that more or less stand for the proposition that not everything that the citizenry requires on a day-to-day basis should come from a free or capital market-based economic system. Many things, such as provisioning of health care, for all and the support for seniors via Social Security or Medicare, for example, should be paid using a progressive tax system where taxes are paid based on the increasing or progressing percentage of a person's adjusted gross income. So you see, there's regressive tax where the more you make, the less you pay. Um, that the Republicans want. And then there's a progressive tax system where the more you make, the more you pay uh, that the liberals and the progressives want. And that's really what this is all about at the bottom line. Now, let me be frank to those of you out there in radio land who feel dejected and believe that it really does not matter if you vote because you voted in 2018 and you voted in 2020 20 and you march for the Black Lives Matter and for women's right and nothing has happened or in the world. Well, I I responded in the words of President Clinton, former President Clinton, I feel your pain, but I want you to know that I have voted in every election since I was 18. I voted even when my former spouse and I were stationed overseas in the boondocks or wherever. I voted absentee and I timely placed my ballot in the mail because I believed that my vote would be counted and I still believe that it was. And even here in Oakland, I've been both a poll worker and a poll watcher because I worked and because I worked on election day, I became a permanent absentee balloteer. It's the easiest way to vote. You, I, I get my material. I vote in the privacy of my own home and I either mail my ballot back in or I drop it off. And that's the easiest way to do it. And I don't have to worry about anybody looking at me crazy or hanging around with, you know, weapons, you know, seeing where I drop myself. And I, I, I would recommend that to all of you out there in Radio Land. Now, you got you got to know some of the years that I voted, we as a nation accomplished great things as we helped bend the arc of the moral universe towards justice such that, you know, For example, the several authorizations and reauthorizations of the Voting Rights Act of 1965 and also the Community Reinvestment Act of 1977. Now, you might not know about the Voting Rights Act, but it was passed in 1965 and it only was available for five years and it continually got reauthorized by everyone in Congress. Republicans, Democrats, and Independents, up until there was a uh, court case called uh, the Shelby v. Holder, where the Supreme Court back in 2013 said, we don't need to have a Voting Rights Act anymore. It's been going on for 40 years, and everything's much better down south, and all black and brown people have access to the polls. Aha, aha, not correct. And then there's also the Community Reinvestment Act of 1977. That was another great law that was focused on ending redlining. So, you know, when we come back uh, next week, I'm going to continue my discussion about how we need to focus on working together and not taking our fear to the polls with us. But 
because we're running out of time, I'm going to close and say, uh, you know, I like to say here at Selwyn's Law, we always want to stay on the right side of the law, including claiming the knowledge that we need in order to continue our form of self-governance and having fair elections. But I also want to take a moment to say, I want to send my prayers and Godspeed to Paul Pelosi, and I want to send my best wishes to the speaker and the rest of her family. And I wish that Paul have a, has a speedy recovery and that we all um, do all that we can to protect each other in these times of trouble as we come up to the November 8th election. So till next time, take care. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the law office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.